Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very interesting idea. No Silver Entertainment bringing you our Monday Night Wars War Stories. We'll work on a better title as we go along, I'm sure. I, of course, am the voice of a generation, the Onitoshi Jeff Mack. Along with me, the dashing one, Joseph Lussell. Hello! And the human wrestling database, Corey Mack. Nice to see you. It's been a while since we've done something like this. Um, what we're going to do here is a very uh, fun idea. What we're going to do is bring you the Monday Night Wars week by week. So every uh, every episode, we're going to have another week, today being the one where it all begins. So, of course, we're automatically breaking the rules. Um, <laughs> in, true, uh, in true fashion of the era, we are breaking the rules as soon as we start. Uh, because, well... They didn't quite start at the same time. What we're talking about here, of course, is Nitro and Raw. Why? Corey, why do we have this one week in which we don't have any Raw, but we have this new show called Nitro? Because Eric Bischoff is a very smart man, and USA Network sucks. Oh. Every summer, right after SummerSlam, they would take two weeks off, for the U.S. Open, I believe it is in tennis. Yes, yeah. yes. I don't follow tennis, so whatever one it is in August, <laughs> that's the one. It's it that is. one. Yeah, it's that one. And knowing this, when the idea came up to start Monday Nitro, Bischoff being smart, Labor Day is the perfect day. We run unopposed. People are looking for wrestling. Here we are. The man made a lot of mistakes, but he was smart a lot of the time. Half the time. Some of the time, all the time. <laughs> now, before we go further into the actual episodes, and today we'll be doing the September 4th premiere Nitro, and then the next week's Raw in Nitro, which will be the regular format, uh, I feel we should probably tell you a little bit as to why there were two competing Monday night wrestling shows, because there was, was never a thing. <laughs> On January 11th, 1993... The WWF premiered Monday Night Raw on the USA Network, replacing its long-standing but completely stale primetime wrestling. Primetime! Gotta love uh, those boring-ass 20-minute Lanny Poffo house show <laughs> matches from Madison Square Garden. They sold they, out. They needed something different. And McMahon had an idea for a one-hour show that was live, and fresh, and new, and raw in his voca vocabulary. Yelling everything at all times because everything has to be yelled. I like to think that's how he is in every day walk of life. I mean, everywhere. I'm, when he's ordering at Subway, I want to hear the, the McMahon voice in my head. I want the turkey sub! I said extra onions, damn it! <laughs> You're fired! <laughs> oh my goodness, I can, Sorry, I can only imagine here. what Christmas morning's like with the grandkids. You gotta be a blast. <laughs> and it debuted January 11th. Um, it was so fresh and new. I mean, it was... It was not those old primetime wrestling shows. It was in the Manhattan Center in New York, which looked small, compact, but full and lively. And you had such great performers as Damian Demento and uh, High Energy. Taker was there. Taker was there. Taker will be a focal point in this podcast history. Wasn't Bobby Heenan there? Heenan. It was. Heenan was great. Michaels. Because if you're gonna Shawn have a, if you're gonna have an intro, if you're gonna have an introductory program, you need a pre somebody to present it. It has to be the brain. But he wasn't there. He couldn't get in the building. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but that, and I, I'm sorry, this, I know we're supposed to be professional here, but you'll learn that professionality and the No Cell podcast don't always go hand in hand. I can't remember the name of the hack comic who I, could get in oh my. and ruined like the first four months worth of Raws. <laughs> I, I, wait, wasn't that Vincent Kennedy McMahon? No, oh, it's, this guy was, I know what you're talking about because it's like, Bobby Heaton's out and oh, I forget his name. He was terrible. That's how that's how uh, memorable he was. So be it though. A new a new era started on Monday Night Wrestling Television, and it was revolutionary for the time. Within a couple months, they went to filming in Poughkeepsie and other smaller places with squash matches and whatnot. But the first couple months were really revolutionary. And as time went on, things changed. Hulk Hogan left WWF and decided to try his trade at WCW, which still had their 605 Saturday Night franchise, which was great. But in 1995, they were still struggling to compete with the WWF. And what was the WWF's worst year, to be frank? Uh, business was crumbling. Things were not going well with the new generation. Which WCW loved to hammer on. Yeah, there were, there were definite cracks in the Titan Empire. So what, what happened was Bischoff went to Ted Turner for a completely different reason... To be honest, he was trying to get clearance for his channel to air in like China somewhere. And Ted Turner asked, hey, you know, what can we do to compete with Vince? Bischoff is famous for saying, oh, I, I didn't have time to think about that. And then he said, uh, we need to compete on Mondays. And Turner gave him time on TNT. And therefore, in the fall of 95, it was announced that WCW would start a Monday night show called WCW Monday Nitro. Or Monday Night Nitro for all the old fogies who kept calling it that. For two or three years. Most of them in the front office of Turner Broadcasting, I assume. Or the announcing booth, annoyingly <laughs> enough. It, it, it was Rob Barlett. Oh, God. Oh, wow. That, that's a good pull. Bo Bobby Heaton's out. Rob's in. It's like, really? That was terrible. Yeah. Terrible call on their part. Granted, certain members of the announce team, also at WCW, to go back to it, would also call it the WCW. That is true. And you may be wondering why... We're talking about 95 Wrestling, we keep hammering on Rob Bartlett. Well, it kind of ties in, because Nitro would have an announcer who uh, was not really any better than Rob Bartlett. Emmy Award winning, they said. And it's true. Steve Mongo McMichael. Baby Here comes doll. Mongo. Yeah. Which would eventually lead to some more fun things down the road. But we'll get there when we get there. Let's do episode one. Let's do it. So, we bring it to you live from the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota. Mariska? Mariska. You are botching already. <laughs> Where the hell is America. <laughs> so, here's, here's something to write about before we get into the show. Okay, so, very much WCW is promoted in the South. Atlanta, Charlotte, that's kind of their main territory. Although they have been trying to branch out with Hogan being there, of course. Exactly. So, you go to Minnesota. Ganya country. Well, and the one thing that makes sense to me a little bit is, of course, Bischoff is a Minnesota boy. He is from the from Minneapolis. I wonder if how much that played into it. Also, uh, the Mall of America, if you have never been there, is the second largest mall in North America and the largest mall in the United States, even to this day, to the best of my knowledge. Yes. It is huge. I mean, Very much. The middle of the mall is a, an amusement park. Or... I think it still is. I mean, they've changed it a couple times. But, so you go to a mall, and you're going to have a wrestling show in a mall. 
I don't care if it's the large or small th- that you could possibly get to. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird, but I can see what they were going for. You want to do something out of the ordinary. You want to really make a first impression. You want people to tune in and look and see this weird, just like, mass of people going up escalators, business shops going in the background. Some of them don't even have functional signs. That's fine. It's the Mall of America. (laughs) Come on, Minnesota. You're stuck. You're going to stay there, and you're going to say, what is this? This is not... I'm, where's where's Vince McMahon? What's Raw? This what, what is this? So I get what they were going for. So we're gonna have three matches that night. Um, four. It was a dark match. That was a dark match. Yo, what was the dark match that night? The American Males defeated Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. The Stud Stable. All right. Well, that didn't make air, and I can see why. As Dick's much as Corey probably wishes it would have over some of the stuff we'll hey, see here next week. I do love me some Stud Stable, some Robert Parker, some Bunkhouse Buck. I wish I was from Buck Snort, Tennessee. Dick Slater. <laughs> All I have to say. Dirty. What a great name. And, of course, I need my rigs fixed. But, you know, we'll see. So, opening match of the night, we'll see Brian Pillman, Flying Brian. Flying Brian. Versus, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Jushin Thunder Liger. And, yeah. Before we go into the match, um, for those who may not know, these two had a tremendous light heavyweight rivalry in WCW just three years earlier. Some great revolutionary matches for the time. Liger became a phenomenon. This, however, well, Joe, the match was okay. Let's just say Liger did good, but Pillman... Botched it. His fly-in days were pretty over. Yeah. Um, he had a... I, I counted three. I might miss some, but three botches. Um, one was Pillman botched at Hurricane Rana from the top rope. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, he tried to suplex Liger outside over the ropes, and Liger, like, bounced off the ropes. And then... The finish of the match was Pillman rolled him up for the win, but it was a sloppy roll-up. Oh, yeah. You, you, you could see Liger's arms moving. So I believe both shoulders came up at some point during the three count. Yeah, no, this was not what you had seen just three, three and a half years earlier. This was a Brian Pillman hampered by injuries. He was, you could see he had gained a little weight. And, in fact, we were just now like a week away from him starting the descent into the gimmick that would make him most famous, and that is the loose cannon. Uh, thank God he came up with that because Flying Brian was pretty done by September 1995. Well, and the other thing is, uh, when it comes to the type of match you're going to do here, you're going to do some spots on the outside, you're going to do some flying, constraints came into this when it came to how much space was between the ring and oh, the yeah. uh, guardrail. All of America. It's about half of what you would see in a standard WCW arena, which is yet again probably smaller than what you have in other arenas. It was like almost ECW kind of like, let's just condense everything to the ring. But that being said, I don't think it's a bad start match for what you're trying to do. I can understand why you decided to start with this match. You're trying to show something that you're not going to see on anybody else's television. And you're trying to get the crowd hyped up into a fast-paced match. Oh, no, I completely agree. I mean, yeah, you bring in someone from New Japan to show that you've got flavor, international flavor. That you're going to see some big names. Um, 
I want to say that they wanted to showcase a cruiserweight style, but this really wasn't a cruiserweight style. Pillman just wasn't that anymore. But yeah, I get what you're saying, and it's a smart move. We all understand, Jeff. It just wasn't up to date. I want to like this match more than I should, I think. I think that's the problem for me. You you like, listen, I'm an established Japan mark. You like the names. It was just, the two names, like, okay, they should put on a good match. And they have. They have three years prior. And this wasn't terrible. It just wasn't great. It was good. Yeah. It was. It served its purpose. Exactly. Now, I don't want to cut you off, but I'm very excited about this next part. Pasta Mania, brother. Hell yes. And maybe the most 90s looking scene from anywhere. You've got Ken Dahl, Eric Bischoff. Cutting it to Ken Doll, Eric Bischoff. Eric, take it away. Thanks, Eric. And that Eric is trying so hard to get as close to Hulk Hogan as he possibly can when, with all these planted fans around. I mean, actual Hogan fans planted around him. And Hogan just starts by saying he ate his Hulkaroos, brother. And that his game plan, quite simply, was to force feed Big Bubba as much Hulkaroos as possible and then slam him. And also, remember... He's selling pasta, pasta mania for like the whole, the whole promo. Pasta mania this, pasta mania that. What you gonna do? What pasta mania? It, is this one of the most infamous promos? Yeah, yeah I, I love this for all the wrong reasons. Like it is so bad. It is good. Like most Hogan movies. It's so bad it's good. And you just can't turn away. Bischoff basically drooling over the side of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I mean, he's probably thinking, oh, my dreams are coming true. Uh, I'm going to be powerful. Pasta mania. Pasta mania, brother. By the way, I think that pasta mania turned into an Arby's two weeks later. Yeah. Um, so, from there, we go to our second match of the night. And this is what you should pretty much call just WCW showcase. This is what WCW is. Mm-hmm. It's Ric Flair. It's Sting. It's... For the U.S. title, I believe. Yes. This is 100% what WCW was about going into this era. This should have been the main event. But, host Jeff, what happens before the match even starts? What is this man doing coming down the ramp? Who is He's not supposed to be here. Get security out here. Get Lex- the camera off him. Get the camera yeah. off him. Lex Luger shows up, which, last I checked... Wasn't he under contract with WWE? Or WWF at the time, I should say. Incorrect, my good sir. They believed he was under contract. He had given them his verbal agreement. Nothing was ever signed. His contract had lapsed. And he was free to go wherever he wanted. And he wanted to do some shopping. So he went to the Mall of America. America. He wanted his pasta mania. He wanted his whole cruise. He stumbled upon a wrestling ring. (laughs) And since this is what he does for a living... Hell, why not? (laughs) No, we're talking about, of course, the total package Lex Luger, who was a WCW mainstay for years, went to the WWF, and was pretty misused. Let's be honest. He had a wonderful bus. He had a great bus. And in all honesty, he should have won the main event that year at SummerSlam in 93, beating Yoko to win the WWF title. And then he would have been okay. But they didn't do that. They gave him a cheap finish, and then they did nothing with him, and he had finished out the rest of his contract this year teaming with Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, and what 
Could have been a pretty good tag team, I guess, for the time. But neither one of them really looked into it. The matches were, eh. I mean, when your two biggest accomplishments were a horrible finish in the Rumble, the, the tie finish, and body slamming somebody on an aircraft carrier. Kind of. Kind of. That's, that's being generous. Yeah, that's being very he, he generous. He got him up, like, halfway, and then he, like, dropped him like, he did it! It was just the motion of the ocean. Um, so, so he shows up on Nitro. And this is another master stroke by Eric Bischoff, in all seriousness. You want people to, to believe anything can happen on your show, because it's live every week. You also want people to think, this is the big leagues. This is where the guys come. This is the competition. This is the only game in town. So you accomplish both of those things by Luger walking in. Brilliant stroke by Bischoff. And I'm sure Vince had to be shitting himself somewhere in Connecticut. What the hell? Three hours later when he found he out. He probably didn't it. find out two weeks till two weeks later. Once, <laughs> once, they started, once they started planning Raw, they're like, where's Luger? Vince, he doesn't work here anymore. What? But that's okay. That won't even be the only walk-in during the match. Because in true WCW style, you cannot have a match without at least two other people showing up. Well, not this match. This had like four. No. But first, uh, first of all, Sting, Gorilla Press, Slamming, Flair. Five times. Five. I, I thought it was 17. It was pretty close. <laughs> it was more. It was, it, was, it was five. It was a, uh, to be fair, Sting looked like a monster. And this was not just your typical run-in. Okay, this is Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson sauntering to the ring, doing his 1995 Tetsuya Naito impersonation. Just kind of sauntering out there. I did love the tracksuit he was just wearing. rolling into the ring. And then the ref immediately calls Ring the damn bell. <laughs> Match is over. Oh. He didn't touch anyone. Who is he interfering for at this point? You don't know. So I don't, I don't think that counts as a no finish. I don't think they actually disqualified either I think party. it was a no finish. Yeah, well, they had to get to the announce table for the yeah. next part of this segment. It was well, first, first, first you have to say, so he eventually does go after uh, Flair. Flair. Chases Flair to the back, returns to the ring to Sting. The announcer's like, oh, wait a minute, Anderson's not done yet, hang on. Grabs his coat. Grabs his coat. <laughs> because he just wanted to keep that track jacket. It was pretty swank, to be fair. I was, I will give it up for Flair. He was athletic in that match. Flair was Flair. Yeah. So, uh, after that we have run-in number three. Only this time, someone runs in on the announce table. Because that happens all the time. <laughs> all the time. It's it's all Mongo's fault, I swear. Uh, but Scott Norton. All fresh, of a sudden. Fresh out of Japan as well. He probably mm-hmm. took the flight over the lager. Yep. And thought, hell, I'll do something. I'm bored. He's got a contract in hand. He's uh, For WCW? Who knows? It could have been for the Arby's. <laughs> He's coming up for, uh, after Post Mania. Because Bischoff's say, saying if, if he does step foot in the ring with, because, oh wait, we have a fourth run in. Macho Man out of nowhere. <laughs> And I mean, Macho beelines it straight into Norton's face. Like the guy owes him money or something. Probably did. <laughs> he asked for a match right at that moment. Bischoff says if you climb into that ring, Norton, you're never, you're never going to get signed by WCW. But he had a contract signed for WCW. It was weird. Um, so nothing happened. But it leads to a match we will get to here uh, in a bit. A couple of video packages uh, before we get to the main event. <laughs> Sabu. Uh, we get the Sabu, the young up-and-comer. Uh, that's right, you heard that correctly. Young up-and-coming he, Sabu. He looked 50. 
Uh, and he only had two botches that I can notice in the video package. Yeah, you heard that right. Two botches <laughs> in a pre-taped, assembled, <laughs> edited video package. One was the uh, running off of the chair into the guy in the corner where he doesn't quite get there. The other, he's splashing somebody through a table, and the table doesn't break. It's probably that's all the rights they had for him. Well, I'm thinking, like, that tells me. <laughs> they had Sabu matches in the can, because they were from WWE. You can see by the ref. Mm -hmm. And that's all they could find that was terrible. <laughs> but again, we will get to this in a bit. Second one. We have a nice uh, vignette with... Michael Wall Street this week? Mr. Charisma. There was three promos. You're forgetting one more. <laughs> oh, wait. We got, we got another one. We'll get to that one here in a second. Michael Wall Street. Michael Wall Street. Now, there's one thing I want to notice here during uh, this uh, promo. Is you're watching the promo up on the screen. But off to the right corner, or the right edge of the promo, you can see the camera still panning around the Mall of America. Um, it's so it doesn't quite flow, but I, I think the reason you brought flows. that up is because that was more interesting than Michael Wall Street's promo. Oh my goodness! It was it, so he wants to be uh, Michael Douglas's character from Wall Street and a poor million man, dollar man, a poor man's version <laughs> of a million dollar man. He didn't have he had glitter as the money sign, but he did notice that the IRS might be watching him. Bump bump. <sighs> That was painful. That was the only good part of the promo was his IRS. But Where don't... the hell did his kids learn to talk? <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to know. When, when both of your kids have that much more charisma than you, and then his daughter is actually a motivational speaker. Um, yeah, at least they got the wrestling part from him, it seems. So. Yeah, well, that was wonderful. What's the, what the third, third promo? Uh, the third promo is for, what was it, Fall Brawl? Right. Yeah. Oh. And it's Hogan. Sting, Vader, Vader, and Savage. Savage versus the Muscular Dystrophy Association. <laughs> but in the promo, it looks like they're against kids. Yeah. It's like, and they're macho. Help me join brother. Here's the. I'm like, what? Are you gonna beat these kids up? <laughs> no, they're beating up Muscular Dystrophy, which just yeah, happens to be in the kids. Yeah, that's not what the video looked like, though. The video looked like they were straight up going to take on a bunch of sick kids. Yeah. You have the four of them joining forces to face, and you see, like, kids jumping in a pool. Like, oh, they're going to attack the kids in the pool. And Vader's about to splash into that yeah. pool against the kids. Spoiler alert. If those four were to take on a bunch of sick kids, unfortunately, <laughs> it probably would have been a more competitive war games than the one we actually got. It also would have been actually the four people in that promo. And the yeah. kids, but we will get to that. And the kids would have lost. Yeah. In a bit. Hogan goes over, brother. Of course. So main event time here on WCW Monday Nitro, inaugural edition, with your WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan versus Big Bubba Rogers. Six years earlier, this is a hell of a match. They ever put it up on the network? Go to MSG House Show in like March '89 and watch it. Still Cage Saturday Night's main event, May '89. Fucking fantabulous match. But this is not 1989. It's 1995. Now, there's a couple things I want to point out here before we get into the actual match itself, and that is some interesting young folk in the front of on the on the camera side uh, with a bunch of Hogan sucks. Hogan yep. is a wimp. Hogan yep. is a wimp. Um, it's not 100% Hogan's over right now. No, see, I mean, the NWO wouldn't happen for another 10 months, but man, 
people were already rather sick of the red and yellow Hulk Hogan. The goody goody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had clearly run its course. Which is, of course, when you open a pasta restaurant named after Pasta it. Mania, brother! <laughs> Unfortunately, it would take a little while longer for anything to actually happen about it. But yeah, he was... I mean, he was still cheered, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's not nowhere near the, the heyday of Hulkamania here. And the match is... Bleh! The, the oh. Flair Sting match should have been the main event. Freaking, I got... Uh, there was one scene, there's one motion where Hogan has Bubba in the corner, and he rakes the eyes of, I'm like, okay, is, he, is that good or bad Hogan there? At that very point, at that very point in the match, Mongo on, on commentary enlightens us that this is why Hogan's going to win. Big Bubba's just a brawler. He's not nearly the technician Hulk Hogan is. <laughs> and then another move, the next move he does is he does a little like running clothesline on Bubba, which then... Hogan's three feet past in the middle of the ring, and Bubba kicks his legs up, and he's still acting up like, Ah, Jesus! And I'm like, really? Well, you even got the part in the match where you have blatant interference by the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Hogan has the jacket over the face of of uh, Bubba Rogers, and he's beating the tar out of him in the corner. You actually go back and watch old Hogan matches, especially if you ever watch him in the Rumble. He is heel as hell. Oh, yeah, he's always been a heel. He, he does so many heel tactics. He loves to rack, rake the back. He'll rake the eyes. He'll poke the eyes. He's, he's a weird dichotomy. He's the greatest babyface character of all time. With heel and tactics. The, and the worst babyface <laughs> heel character of all time. He cheats, I mean, constantly. And did you guys notice, uh, speaking of fans and how they reacted to Hogan... After he wins, which is a surprise, it's a big boot and a leg drop, people. I will enjoy that Bubba was wearing a suit the yeah. entire time. But after the match, he clearly gets up to the hard camera and tells fans in the front row to kiss his ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kiss my ass, brother. And, by the way, run in. Another run in. Dungeon of Doom, which, by the way, we're, uh, we're two weeks away from a pay-per-view for WCW. Mm-hmm. And Fall it's, bra. The, it's the final five minutes of the show, and finally, you see the people who are in the main event of that pay-per-view finally come in and then get their ass handed to them within about a minute and a half by Hogan and friends. Because here comes Luger, because yeah. we have another run-in. Luger runs in, gets rid of the Dungeon of Doom with Hogan, and then Hogan and Luger say hi. They, they back into each <laughs> other, and they turn around like, I'm going to punch, wait a minute, why are you here? Bishop, cut it to commercial! <laughs> Get out of my ring! You don't belong here! Go so, back to the kids! So, one, uh, one thing. Luger can enter the ring, but <laughs> Scott Norton can't. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. And also, Luger gets a heavyweight championship match, but Norton's like, you can't come into my ring? Stick your stinking paw out there, brother. Really? Yeah, so they have a promo... Mean Gene, of course, in there, looking like a shysty little dude, which I love Mean Gene. No offense. Sting, fair, it's the second time in the ring that night because Sting, he forgot to mention Sting and one. Savage are down there trying to calm everybody down. Jimmy Hart's running around like a, like a kid. Yeah, because the person you want calming everybody down is the macho man. The man's bouncing off the walls. He's done so much coke. Yeah. <laughs> and basically it comes out that 
I mean, Luger almost forgot the lines Bischoff planted in him. Uh, make sure you hammer home that you're not in the little leagues anymore. You're tired of playing with kids. He said all those lines. Hogan made sure to put the, put in the line that Hogan is the only champion that matters, brother. That was probably in Hogan's contract that Luger say that. <laughs> yeah. And then they figure out they're going to have a match next week. Now, yeah, yeah. jump. I mean, Luger, Luger, doesn't just, have a, Luger doesn't have a signed contract yeah. like Scott Norton did. Luger just shows up. I get what they're doing. I have a question for you two. Mm-hmm. I know you want to get over the importance of Monday Nitro. You want to beat Raw next week in the ratings. But are you jumping the gun on what could be an actual money-making pay-per-view match by just throwing Hogan and Luger out on TV next week? I, I, I would say this. I see a foreshadowing yeah. of the Nitro of <laughs> let's put a good match on. But say, this, is, this is easily what Nitro is all about going forward yeah. is they are so concerned about winning Monday night that nothing else matters. A, it helps them win Monday night for a little bit. The flip side of that is it's also probably the reason that they lost the war. Or one of the reasons. There's a multitude of reasons we'll get to here over the weeks and months to come. And years down the line, we'll get to a match they absolutely should not have put on free TV that in the long run killed them. But that's years down the line. Yeah, well, we will hopefully get to that point. Uh, I, I just want to make one thing before we move on to the following week. I did not... One thing I did not like... The one thing I did not like about this episode of Nitro. First week, first episode, right? The announcers putting over every single move. Did you see that drop kick? Most of the time, Pillman used that as an offensive move, but this time it was a defensive move. Did you see the clothesline? And like every announcer, I know you're starting company for the money for te- television wise, but you're gonna put over every wrestler's. This is where the big boys play. Look at Hogan. Look at Sting. My question is: Is Bischoff trying too hard because of the amount that Bobby Heenan just does not give a fuck? Okay, Heenan's on. I mean, Heenan is a shell of his former self. Yeah. And Mongo. Is Mongo. Is Mongo. Now, besides the overselling, which, yeah, and the big boys play yeah. football, I actually did think Bischoff was rather good this week. He always gets a rep for being absolutely terrible as a play by play guy. He got a little annoying at times, but I wouldn't say he was bad. He wasn't. Yeah, he's not I, bad. I will admit, compared to the other guy in charge of doing the play-by-play, there's a lot of times I actually prefer Bischoff commentary to Vince McMahon uh, commentary. Yeah, I think Bischoff is really underrated in that. Aspect. Which, going into uh, this next week, we will get to some of that fun. But let's get a kind of a final idea here on the inaugural Nitro. First off. Well, you only have three matches to choose from, so this should be pretty simple. What is the match of the night? Well, for me, it's Sting and Ric Flair. Uh, Nothing groundbreaking. You've seen it a thousand times, and this was by no means one of their better matches. But I just thought Pillman and Liger, maybe they felt rushed. Pillman wasn't as crisp as usual, and Hogan and Bubba didn't do it for me. I'm going to give it to Sting and Flair. I am also giving it to Sting and Flair, and I am going to agree with you on... All those notes. Uh, you have two big names of Sting and Flair, and then you, but you make them like the mid card to a big Bubba and a Hogan. I understand Hogan's your champ at the time, but really, big Bubba 
and Hogan as your main event, you think he probably could have done someone else. Hogan, Hogan and Yeti, if Yeti is still on contract with them. Uh, Hogan and Flair, baby. Yeah, Hogan Flair. That, I would have sold that for that being yeah. the first match for main event. I really want to disagree. I really want to put Liger and Pillman as the best match of the night. I can't. Yeah. It's 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 just not quite there, and it's again, it's flair instinct. It is what WCW is. Yeah, it was botchy. It was botchy, but the the thing is, the other one is literally the cornerstones of what an entire company is based off of. Yeah, I mean the history there is just unparalleled. Even though, again, the one reason I don't want it to be the match is specifically because there isn't a finish. Yeah, well, this, get used to that <laughs> in Monday Nitro. I got news for you right now, buddy. This is very true. If finishes are going to be your issue, this is going to be a tough road for you to hoe. <laughs> that being said, I think there will be no uh, dissension in what the worst match of the night is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, we've already talked. Hogan about Bubba. Hogan yeah. Bubba is, 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 is just crap. Anybody on this inaugural episode, anybody come off to you guys as really important? Like, holy shit. This guy is something to tune into. Sting. 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 Sting had Sting had factor. He had the it factor. Huge it factor there. He looked like a beast. He the crowd loves him. Uh, it, everything about him is I can sell my company on this guy. They want that guy. It seems to be Scott Norton. <laughs> say, Scott Norton seemed pretty. You know, pretty. They liked it. They liked the chaos. And Scott Norton. I definitely want to tune in to see more of what Scott Norton can do, if anything. So I'm going to give him a little part. The other person, of course, would be Luger here. Yeah. Just due to the fact of what that meant for the situation. And let's, I mean, let's, let's, you know, we like to have fun on the No Cell Podcast. We don't take this too seriously. Mm -hmm. But let's look at the, how important that moment was. I said a little bit about it earlier, but this sets a trend for the next five years. Yep. Of people jumping back and forth, secret contract negotiations. Mm -hmm. Who's going to jump where? This really is the shot that starts this everything in Monday Night War. It's the beginning of so the war. So when everything changes here as we go along, remember that point. Yes. Luger. Maybe, now I'm foreshadowing, maybe the most important figure in the Monday Night War for a long time because of that fact. That up, I would say up until about, well, 10, year, ten months from now. Yep. Um, and we'll get to that point here uh, down the road. Hopefully, say, hopefully not in 10 months. Yeah. yeah. Some would say Luger's still important, though, because without Luger, that moment doesn't happen. This is very true. This is very true. But that's something we can talk about later. Yep. Now, uh, last part for this night is the WTF moment. Literally. Oh, come on. But what the? the what the fuck moment. That could be either... The superstars <laughs> versus kids. <laughs> this could be a superstar making moment. This could be a what the hell just happened, which, and that'll probably be in 2000 Nitro. Yeah. What the fuck <laughs> the moment entire the entire year. Yeah. It's Luger. It's gotta be Luger. What the, f- I mean, I remember as a 15 year old watching Monday Nitro, not sure what to expect. I was a big wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a live show. Okay. And to be honest, I wasn't, I remember at the time not being too enthralled. I liked it. Mm-hmm. But I'd seen Luger or Liger in Pillman before, and I'd seen it done better. The idea of a Sting Flair match—I'm never going to bitch about it, but I've seen it a lot. But the moment Lex Luger turned and I showed up, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" He was in the Derf. I just watched him on Superstars two days ago. Now he's on WCW. What the hell's going on? 
that set the tone for Nitro, and it was it was can't miss from that moment on. I I, I very much am in the same camp as you when it comes to that. Um, I remember uh, seeing this. I, w- I was a, only a couple years younger than you at the time. Uh, it it was that huge moment for me though. The one thing I'm going to say just just as kind of just to give it a dichotomy here, I'm going to go with the actual setting again, the actual Mall of America setting, because as weird as it is, and as crazy as it is, it worked. You had a four story mall with people overlooking every single overlook. I just wonder how many times the guys rode on the escalator. Oh, you you are never getting off of that escalator. You are, you are running around trying to get there. It's, it's such a, it's such a one in a, one of a time, you know, once in a lifetime type of settings, which other promotions have tried to rip off before and stuff like that. Other companies have tried to do this and it hasn't come off the same. So I would say it's actually the setting for me that really gets that, Gets that going for me. Not a bad pick not, at all. Not at all. Not at all. Mr. Lessel? Not Postum- it's not Postumania. Uh, not the Sabu promo, but I will... I'll, I'll, I'll be that guy. I'm going to do both of yours combined. <laughs> I'll do Luger and the setting, just because, like you were just saying, other promotions, Shotgun Saturday Night or Sunday, whatever. Yeah. Tra- trains, I don't know. I think but, David Copperfield tried doing something there once that was stupid. Yep. Uh, but it, yeah, it's it's such a pivotal moment. And this is why we're doing this podcast is because of how important this entire run is to what you're watching on TV nowadays. And it doesn't get talked about. I mean, yeah, there's a slanted WWE Network show about the Monday Night War, but it's very slanted. It's WWF one. WCW tried to kill us. Mm-hmm. It was so much more than that, though. And that's going to be the fun part for us is we're coming at this very much on we enjoyed both sides. Yes, yeah, yeah, I watched both. I remember I remember coming home from school on Mondays, watching Nitro and then watching Raw yep. after it. Yep. I love that Pacific oh, feed. Man. Pacific feed was great. So, we are now going to move 7 days into the future. And we're going to go from Minnesota to Miami, Florida. So if you you, you know, if you couldn't get uh Frostbite in one you're going to get, well... Shark attack Shark in attack in the second one, or a hurricane. Um, so Miami, Florida, September 11th, 1995. <laughs> there will be a shark attack. <laughs> oh, yes, there will Hey-o. be. Um, so before we get started with this episode, we're going to do Nitro first, and then we're going to do Raw as basically as we would have seen it in our time, uh, in our time because we would have had uh, the West Coast feed, so we would have had Nitro on the East Coast uh, live broadcast, and then... Raw airing later that night. Before we get started with the actual matches, don't worry, there's more than three this time. Four. <laughs> four. And there's four dark matches. How do you get four dark matches? Well, you have to justify <laughs> you have to justify renting the building for five hours and you <laughs> yeah. only air an hour. So uh, what do we got for dark matches, yeah? Uh the Kings of Dark Matches, uh the Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. Woo! Uh, faced off against Harlem Heat in a double DQ. Shark defeated Mark Starr. Main event anywhere in the arena. <laughs> Kamala defeated Barry Houston. All right. And the upset of the night, Johnny B. Bad defeated Ric Flair in by D- DQ. Hold on a minute. Uh, what was that last one? Oh, I don't think you heard me. <clears throat> 
Um, it would be Johnny B. Bad defeated Ric Flair by DQ. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would also like to, to point out, uh, other than the shock and awe of what that last dark match uh, entails, uh, two of those dark matches are won by members of the Dungeon of Doom. You know, that group that's in the main events at your next pay-per-view. Six days from now. <laughs> They're, wait, they should... Aren't they on the the main show? Show? No. No. What? Well... Is no, it, they'll, they'll, they'll play a prominent role in a certain match. Is it anybody yeah. in the main event? Okay. We'll see. Yeah. So, first match off the blocks, the premiering Sabu versus just Alex Wright at the time. He is not Das Wunderkind yet. But, he had a nickname, um, but I forgot what. He was Das Wunderkind. Yeah. They just they didn't, didn't put half it the, the time name. didn't remember it. Um, because he was, was just coming back from New Japan, if I remember right. Yeah, and I will say this: this might be the cleanest Sabu match you will ever see. So there's only four botches. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and they start off the match with a botch. He has La Parka's theme song. <laughs> WCW famous for just using theme songs <laughs> over and over yeah. again for everyone. Um, WWE's never done that. Somebody call my mom. The <laughs> a strange moment for me. I I'm not gonna call it botch. I'm just gonna call it strange. Is Alex Wright's going up to the top to do does a drop kick off the top, but Sabu's in the middle of the ring and he does his pose of pose pointing his finger up in the middle of the sky, pointing to the sky, and I'm like, why are you posing? Because literally he puts his finger up, gets kicked. I'm like, you praying that won't hurt? What? <laughs> Sabu's going to get over any way he can do it, Bubba. And this is one. He just points to the sky all the time, letting people just beat the shit out of him. Because <laughs> that's his gimmick, basically. Sabu just gets the shit beat out of him. Either by his opponent or by himself. I mean, one way was, or the other, he's going to get it. He looked like he was already injured going into the match. He's got oh, he had, he had everything. A band-aid or something on his shoulder. It's Sabu. He's permanently injured. <laughs> That's just he part was, of the gig. At all times, he's 50. Yeah. You know. that he, looks, he did have one yeah. cool thing. It was the finish. It was a, the Hurricane Rana off the, the face-first Hurricane Rana for the win. Well... First win of the night. About, to say, yeah. uh, about that, uh, that doesn't quite stick. Not so fast. After the match, Sabu does his general Sabunus and just continues <laughs> whooping on Alex Wright because he just hasn't finished having fun yet. Nobody's got through a table. Yet. I was waiting for the table spot during the match, but match ended like three minutes in. So, hell, Sabu goes in the crowd and grabs like a catering table let's set it up and then he sets Alex Wright on it but Wright is sitting sitting straight up on it at the very like edge at the very it. edge of the table and Sabu overjumps him <laughs> I literally think in all fairness he, he manages to hook him with his trailing arm <laughs> or his foot one of the two so it kind of looks like a clothesline by the time it's all said and done but Sabu took the blunt of the drop and for that, he gets disqualified. Exactly. Reverse and decision. Your winner, Alex Wright. Now, there's something we need to talk about here. Forget about Sabu. 
Alex Wright might be one of the most underrated WCW performers during this entire era. We're going to go through this on this podcast, and yeah, I totally agree with you. We've got years to see... Alex the Wright. evolution. Yeah, the evolution of Alex Wright. He was never a main eventer, never was going to be, but he was a damn good wrestler. And again, just another in the long list of guys WCW just didn't do shit with. Alex Wright came in at the wrong time. Because if he was a current day guy, He'd be a beautiful NXT prospect. Oh yeah, no, he'd you know, he'd be down there. He'd look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he'd be in current uh, New Japan yeah. and be doing great. You realize he's a year younger than John Cena. Really? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that. He started in East or no, a year older. I'm sorry, a year older. Okay. When he started in WCW, he was like an 18 year old. That's why they called him Dust Wonderkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been out of the limelight all these years. He's just a year older than John Cena. Hopefully he doesn't have the CTS or anything else yeah. like that now. Um, so, first match over. And we are going to... <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite moments <laughs> in this entire thing. Go ahead. So, <laughs> Mean Gene is in the ring, and he brings out Ric Flair. The, the nature o- boy. The only thing I didn't like is that this is not two years in advance, so he doesn't say... In the shank of the night, here comes Ric Flair. But Ric Flair comes out. They're seemingly going to talk about the upcoming match with Arnie Anderson at Fall Brawl. Nobody ever thought you'd see these two fighting. But here comes Lex Luger sauntering down to the ring in his gear. Who knows what for. And Flair just proceeds to lose himself. In describing how magnificent Lex Luger's body is. 6'7", 280 pounds. He's the total package. I mean, he looks like he's going to ask for his autograph. Or what he's doing after, so yeah. he maybe go to the hotel room. <laughs> well, you, you have to get the new gimmick over. You and have then, to get the new gimmick And then over. Luger just smirks and says, Flair, you're too much, and leaves. <laughs> Interview over. What the fuck was that? <laughs> you're too much. You're too much. Oh, that... Uh, why? You just, it's just there. I know you want to put over Luger, but whose idea was it <laughs> to just have Flair, like, verbally masturbate him right there on TV for the entire... You're too interview. much. You're, You're too, too much, much Rick. Ah, uh, shucks, and then walks uh, off. Shucks, thank you. Uh, I wish we could have had more of that and probably... Current what? day? Yeah. No. You're too much. Every, everything that happens after this. Um, actually, it's interesting match we get next. That's right. For the second time in two weeks, the U.S. title is on. Wait, the U.S. title was not online this match. Well, right? here's the thing. <laughs> the announcer. They, they announced it as a United States title match. David Pincer did. <laughs> but during the match, they said it was non-title. Typical WCW. So we're going to say for the second time in two weeks, the WCW U.S. title is on the line as Sting takes on VK Wall Street? Michael Wall Street? VK... Uh, can stick to a name. It's VK this week. Bischoff. They changed it halfway during the commentary. Yeah. Bischoff found one more way to stick it to Vinnie Mac. So we get VK Wall Street. We're going to stick with that one for now because it's a lot shorter than St. Michael. Does uh, it stick? I don't think so. Uh, isn't, isn't he back to M within like a year or something like that? Something like that. We'll see. And then, uh, so it's Sting. Sting versus him. In an interesting match? Well, before we get to the match, Sting, <laughs> they they introduce Sting, and like, now introducing 
the United States, as he's saying, like, United States champion, Pyro is going off like crazy. And then they stop. It's like, United States champion. Tick, tick, tick. Sting, you're late. Crap. Sting walks out. A little flare. Like a points, g- points of the nitro sign. Look at this sign. You see it? A little flare of sparks come out. <laughs> I, just, I just want to point out. That's probably where Vince got the bright idea for the Royal Rumble winner having to point at the damn WrestleMania sign. Thanks, Sting. <laughs> point at the logo. Uh, it's not a. It's not a bad match. It's just a match. It's a it's match. Not, it's a match. Um, it's perfectly acceptable. It's just a weird finish. I. I Sting oh. on a crossbody. Yeah, like usually you would only do a finish like that if the guy you're wrestling is someone you don't want to hurt booking wise. Yeah. Like someone you want to mm-hmm. still build up or something. But, but I have a hard time believing my VK Wall Street was going to be anything more than a lower card guy. Well, I mean, they're building up huge with the uh, video package in the first week of Nitro. I mean, uh, maybe they were going to try to push him. Do you think VK is Michael's twin? Could have yeah, been. Could have be. been. Be. They're going to do yeah. twin magic here in a couple weeks? Yeah. <laughs> Don't put it past them. Yeah. Um, but this, this is what Microtone is good at. Giving you just a solid match. Yeah. And not talking. <laughs> That's very true. No, he's no, perfectly fine match. Sting did his stuff. Wall Street was a good base for it. That's pretty much it. That's I mean, just one with a cross body block keeps the U.S. title. Sting's still looking good. Sting looks like a star. Yep. So, now that that match is over, uh, any packages in between? Nope. No. Okay, we got to move on to this match. No superstars versus children. <laughs> Yet. Um... Next up, we get the match that was set up in the previous week when we get Randy Savage versus Scott Norton in a absolute squash match for Scott Norton. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. I mean, I was I was shocked watching the match again. And, I mean, Norton has 95% of the offense yeah. until the ending. I mean, I was... I mean, I can't figure out how Macho Man's going to win this match. I didn't know if they just... They had plans for Norton because I mean this Savage is one of your three biggest stars in the company, and Norton's. I mean we're not exaggerating. This is a squash. It's it's just all Scott Norton all the time. Yeah. And then once I think Macho Man hits what two offensive moves? Yeah, like the whole match. And yeah. Then, and neither one of them work. Yeah. And the you hit the WCW button. Run in. And the entire. Oh, God, they all come in. Well, first Kamala it's, and Zodiac well, and Shark. First it's a shark, right? Shark is sauntering down the ringside. <laughs> Trying to get down. Bischoff immediately calls him Avalanche. <laughs> uh, Here comes Avalanche. Shark. Sorry. Shark is, like, getting in the ring and somehow just ends up falling onto Scott Norton's ankles. I think close on out. Yeah. yeah. He gets close on from behind. Didn't, didn't, I thought, doesn't like Norton hit him or someone hits him and bounces off the rope and like it falls and they fall on each top of each other. Somehow he, he's just like, he, he's like a beached whale stuck on Norton's ankles. <laughs> a beached shark. Yeah, he cannot move and Savage hits the top rope elbow, gets the free count and honest to God, even the way they did the ending looks like Savage like was lucky do, to sneak out a win. Do you think... It should have been a win for a Norton because Shark was laying on top of him, I mean, touching him I mean, in the match. There should have been a disqualification at some point in this match. I mean, last week, Arn Anderson just looked over the first <laughs> rope and got disqualified. <laughs> he came in. Oh, no, 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 no. It's WCW, folks. Uh, Run in. But hey, 
at least, you know, that other team from War Games in your pay-per-view six days from now is on the TV before the main event. Yeah, but they haven't exactly looked stellar <laughs> going into that show. And before we forget, uh, Norton and Shark have words, which might lead to something next week, I'm just guessing. Could be. Uh, but we will get to that in a future episode. Well, well the next one. Next, next episode, bro. So, it's main event time. I think actually before this we do get your MDA thing. Yeah. Superstars versus children. And your main event, of course, as we set up last week, Hulk Hogan versus Lex Luger. Who gets the most, like, humdrum, run-of-the-mill, here's a dude in the main event entrance ever. He gets a jobber entrance. <laughs> he does. Here comes Luger, and, like, he like, the camera starts off behind him, and he, he like, looks back to make sure... You know, they're like, we live? Yeah, we're live, buddy. <laughs> and it's just like, oh. We're doing it live. All right. And, like, he starts posing, and then Bischoff's like, we'll be right back with the main event. And then, like, Hogan's, then they cut back, and Hogan's music started. <laughs> uh, WCW production. What a great way to build this guy off. Hey, jobber him. <laughs> so, this match is... Meh. Meh. Could have been, it, it, it was not good. It could, you know, we were saying earlier, this, this is a match you would put on a pay-per-view. And they wrestled it like that. Yeah. They were holding back clearly. They're, of course, I mean, let's not, you know, spoilers, there's like no decisive finish. Go yeah. figure. Oh, what? This is Nitro. But um, I, 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 I like the way they did the non-decisive finish. Yeah. With the what, what with the uh, Dungeon of Doom second run in of the night in two straight matches, by the way, because we hit the WCW button, run ins happen. I think someone accidentally hit that one the first match. <laughs> first, before we do go to the ending, I love Hogan chain wrestling. Uh, very mm, not, not good. He also Hogan also no sells a suplex, and then the. Final finisher, the torture rack by Luger. It's that Royal Rumble esque. He's gonna tap, and then Hogan, and then Luger drops him and starts celebrating. He drops the arm twice. My, no, my favorite. That's my favorite thing. I wanted to bring up. Thank you for mentioning that. And they hit. I've watched a lot of wrestling. In the history of the torture rack, you just give up. Yeah. There's yeah. no. There's no there's putting no. the arm up <laughs> three fucking times. But because it's Hogan. They got to. You got to put the drama in. They weren't used to it. It had been a while since anybody had tried to uh, refer uh, to officiate a torture rack situation. Um, so after two, once again, early celebration by Luger. After two, I won, I won. And nope. then Hogan no-sells it. <laughs> he hulks up. Then finish. Somewhere Vader was just sitting there going, I feel your pain, brother. <laughs> so Dungeon Doom comes in and only attacks Hogan. Is he the third member? <laughs> they, 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 they specifically don't attack Luger. Well, mostly because Luger's on the ground already. He's pretty much out of it. And then in come Savage, in come Sting, and they chase off the Dungeon to Doom. Luger gets up after the dungeon's gone. And Hogan is pissed. Because <laughs> obviously this was entirely a trap by Luger. His cunning capabilities to uh, get the uh, Dungeon of Doom to come in here and cost him a chance at the title. Wait, what? 
Well, logic. Uh, Science! So basically, Hogan wants to know, hey, why didn't they attack you, brother? And Savage, of course, he's fucking paranoid 24-7. So he, he echoes in his sentiments. Sting, of course, playing Peacemaker, just waiting to get turned on one more fucking time. Because that's mostly what Sting does in his career, is get turned on and attacked from behind by his friends. If you think that John Cena is treated as a babyface... You obviously never watched early 90s Sting. I will say one thing that we have forgotten in both two weeks of Nitro is the fall brawl lead-up, and the main event is Vader, Sting, uh, Hogan, and Macho versus the Dungeon of Doom. And according to, I think, week one? No, it was, it was, it was brought up this, this one. Week. It was this one, that Vader has gone M.I.A., so what was it? He lost the paperwork. No, he hasn't filled out the necessary paperwork to be a part of Team Hogan. Uh, apparently, you have to fill out your retirement <laughs> forms and set up a four hundred one k. I don't know what Team Hogan is. See, entails. he only filled it out in single. He needed to fill it out in triple. You have to yeah. promise to. He didn't <laughs> claim himself. That's what it is. You have to promise to spend certain time, number of hours per week eating at, at the Pasta Mania. Well, let's yeah. think. He didn't want to put it on the trucks. When in reality. Vader got into a little backstage skirmish with uh, Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, who was a wrestler, but also a, an agent at the time. They got into a kerfuffle, little a little spat, and old man Orndorff in flip-flops whipped the shit out of Vader. Vader got in a couple good shots himself, but by all accounts, Orndorff whooped his ass. And from that moment on, Vader left, he walked out, he was never heard from again in WCW. About say and Things might change on that front yeah. at some point. So for now, he's gone. They're short a guy on their team, but oh wait, look. Look who's in their fell in the lap. Look who's here. The total package. Things couldn't have worked out better for Bischoff if he wanted to. Except for Hogan and Savage don't want him on the team. Well, we gotta have a vote, brother. Yeah, we gotta vote, <laughs> brothers. This is democracy <laughs> and it's fine. Alright, let's vote. Macho. No. Hogan. No. Sting, yes. Jimmy Hart, yes. <laughs> so two, two. He's on the team. <laughs> kind of sounds like modern democracy. Yeah. I'll say you get this list of the last bit of like, uh, oh, it's just like, like, okay, yeah, you can be on the team. But like, oh, and during the argument about trying to put Ho- uh, Luger on the team, they're yelling at Jimmy Hart. Where'd you go? What you think I'm part of the Dungeon <laughs> of Doom? <laughs> I would you get them to? Oh, yeah. Wait, Sting, they didn't attack you as much. Yeah. yeah You're obviously part... But also, I would say this. Nitro, you've been on the air for two weeks now. How are you going to end your show? Mean Gene, get him out to the <laughs> ring. Mean Gene, we're going to go do another promo. Mean Gene puts butts in the seats, damn it. <laughs> to be fair, um, it could be better than some of the way they finish it off later down the road. Holy balls. You are correct. Well, or the way that we in raw. So we're leaving. We're so we're ending WCW on a promo, and it's about you know it's time for raw. Well, let's first before we get to raw, um, where are we coming at with raw? Is so we've been two weeks. Yeah, you're coming off. If if you don't know this by now, you're gonna know it by thirty seconds into raw. There might have been a ladder match at SummerSlam. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe just maybe. Just, just a tad bit. So, 
Yeah, Raw starts. They show they hype the SummerSlam ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Title. Quick bit of controversy. I think it's better than the WrestleMania match. Hmm. Interesting. Might have to debate you on this one. <laughs> but anyways, um, so yeah, we get our promo package. By the way, um, the promo package really hyping that. What doesn't it hype? Oh, that's right. You're freaking champion. I'll give you one thing from WCW, Monday Nitro, Hulk Hogan, front and center on both episodes of Nitro. Defending the title on both shows. The world champion in the day possibly hanging out with Vader somewhere in MIA, wherever the hell that it's is. It's because uh, for Raw on September 11th, it's the fall, it's for the me, premiere. The so we get premiere. a new intro. That, yeah. you know, uh, they would heavily rip off in a couple years down the line. Heavily. <laughs> Which I think... Think you possibly see the new champ, the champion on there? Yeah, he's on there. He's yeah. on there for a second. You know, you see more of a uh, Shawn Michaels. You know, jumping off the ro- raw it's, roof. It's very clear, even in mm. September '95, where Vince is going with who he's pushing. Shawn Michaels is all over the place, and Goldust, Goldie, hot new character, hot new character. <laughs> Hell yeah! Who hasn't? Which we'll get to at some point. I haven't. I have an unbridled love for Dustin Rhodes as a professional wrestler, so a lot of gold dust love going to be happening on this podcast. It's very true. Oh, yeah. He threw us the deuces once. Deuces. It was awesome. Um, so we get to the start of the show, and green screen mania. Oh my is goodness! Wild. It's so bad. It's it looks like something you you know you would see in like freshman year high school news that they put on the t- closed caption or the closed circuit televisions. Uh, it's, you're, it's so bad. You're just waiting for it to, you know, go green. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not kidding you folks. They might as well have pictures of like roller coasters and shit <laughs> happening behind Lawler and McMahon. It'd it be more so, believable. I'm at so Six obvious. Flags. They're at Six Flags at the moment. It's, it's, it's so bad. It, the production quality for the bigger, better company, the one that's been doing this for two years. Where they're, they're, they're getting to a time where. All hell is about to break loose outside the business. Mm-hmm. So they have to cut costs on uh, certain things. Boy, do they ever. So, well, actually, so this was taped right after SummerSlam. Oh, we totally yes. forgot. Yeah. Totally forgot. Or I'm going to go back to Nitro. Uh, Bischoff. Oh. Bischoff. Raw is taped. How did we play this? This was during the uh, the intro to the Sting match. Yeah, this intro. was during Sting's intro. Don't go to USA because uh, you got HBK versus Sid. Not the big guy. The, the big, big guy. guy. He beats the big guy with a super kick. They wouldn't get him a green belt at his local YMCA. That being said, it was a huge match for Ryback there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, this starts a very big trend that we'll see going forward in Nitro. For um, year, for a couple of years. <laughs> and, that, and that rubbed Vince so wrong. I mean, Vince McMahon never acknowledges competition. But that would change in a couple months, mostly due to that very thing right there. And actually, at one point, will lead to one of the biggest defeats for WCW uh, in, the, in the wars. But we'll get to that down the road. Uh, first off, because uh, this was taped a couple weeks prior, there was a dark match. Joe, and what was that dark match? <laughs> no, there wasn't a dark match that night, buddy. I have a dark match. Do you? I seem to remember a six-man tag you were talking about. Oh, yeah. About. I'm sorry. I botched that. I didn't write it down. Good job. Uh, the um, six-man match was 
Taker, Luger. Wait. WCW's Lex Luger? <laughs> yeah, he came back for one night only. So Taker, Lex Luger, Shawn Michaels versus Men on a Mission. And I'm going to say... Sid. 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 Big da- the big guy, Sid. So, first of all, way to botch. Thank you. I, I botched it, blanked it. That, that, that makes me feel a lot better about my earlier one. I'm yeah, not going to okay. lie. But you messed up America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call me. First so, pod. So, not, uh, first of all, wow. That's an interesting six-man, no matter how you look at it. Men on a Mission and Sid... There's a team. But you have Undertaker. Wow. But you have Undertaker. You're at this time, I think he's the biggest guy on your roster. Easily. Easily. But the dark match? I'm just wondering if the dark match took place prior. I think it was after. Or after, like a I think normal. It was after the taping. Send the crowd home. Because I mean, you have Sid and Shawn Michaels. Here's both my in the question, match. and we'll have to do we'll have to pay attention to this in the weeks coming forward because they taped what two three yeah mm-hmm. we're out of time does luger factor into raw at any other that point i mean did they have to edit out a match they'll be very interesting to see because yeah. i mean he works the dark match there's a possibility he could have worked the tapings too yeah so that's interesting um uh, by the way uh we'll hear more about men in a mission um going forward tonight because due to the fact of we already know what the matches are next week and have Video footage! Uh, and I specifically want to talk about that at the end of this episode. Which is, so. oh, it's, we'll get to that and I'll probably yell So the lot. show starts proper with a pretty damn good match, in my opinion. The bad guy. You've got Razor Ramon versus the British Bulldog. Who, the uh, now heel British Bulldog. Is he heel now? Yes. He is, he is, he is. No, I, I, I really couldn't tell you because it, it didn't really matter. It happened in the weeks leading up to SummerSlam for reasons unknown to anybody. <laughs> he cut his hair. He, uh, he, <laughs> he turns on Diesel to help King Mabel, even though him and King Mabel have never had anything to do with each other. I guess he was just tired of being Lex Luger's partner and tired of having long stringy hair. So he turns heel, cuts his hair, which is a much better look for him, hitches himself up to Jim Cornette. And which is a great is. idea, by the way. And here he is. That's Jim a heel. Cornette's amazing. And before anything about the match, uh, Joe, do you agree with me on this? Completely forgot about how fucking great of a worker Scott Hall could be. Razor Ramon? When he, yeah, in his, in his front. He so. was, it was a good match for... Uh, Monday Night Raw. Like I said on the Nitro, you had Luger versus Hogan, a pay-per-view match. Yeah. Razor and British Bulldog is a pay-per-view match. It is. Pay-per-view caliber all the way. And I really enjoyed it. Thought it was a hell of a match, Uh, Joe. I know you did as well. Yep. Jeff. Jeff. Okay. I'm a huge fan of Scott Hall, Razor Ramon completely a big fan of his work. Especially going back uh, AWA days when he was tagging with uh, Kurt Henning. By the way, if you want to see great mustaches... I prefer Starship Coyote. (laughs) But still... Uh, The problem for me is they overbooked this more than WCW usually overbooks a match. And that's hard to say considering what we just ran through on this podcast. 
That that last segment, that last episode of Nitro, <laughs> was it, that was a, that was the epitome of WCW with those amount of runs. It was a good match. Yeah. Yeah, but the ending is one of the more confusing. I thought Nitro was running this one <laughs> because the ending is uh, it was. It was Dean Douglas, comes, Dean Douglas comes out, attacks Scott uh, Razor Ramon, doesn't get seen by the ref, and then uh, the one two three kid climbs the top rope to jump on top of Bulldog, Bulldog but Bulldog moves. Also, by this point, the ref is watching him do watching this. this. Ref sees kid jump, fog splashes onto uh, Razor Ramon, but Bulldog wins the match. Well, because he gets he gets the cover, doesn't he? No, no, he doesn't. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, oh my goodness! And then in the end, uh, Bulldog and Jim Cornette come in and kick the the crap crap out of both uh, the One Two Three Kid and Razor Ramon. Uh, By the way, uh, props to both guys for being willing to sell the uh, racket. Yeah. Do you agree with him that that's more overbooked than what we watched on Nitro just earlier? I don't know. <laughs> so far, we've had two run-ins to the five we had on the last Nitro. But so. this is the first match. This is the Still first, first match. match. <laughs> and the, the, I think my favorite part about this run-in is how convoluted it is. Because of, A, well, Dean Douglas is supposed to be the superior in election and everything, and though that character was bloody awful. Yeah. Um. And the one, two, three kid is an idiot with horrific bangs <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> but that does lead to some fun stuff going forward between, of course, the continuation of Razor and the one, two, three kid. And, I mean, it, it leads to the promo right away. Yes. In the ring with uh, McMahon interviewing Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid. Uh, which, lucky enough, we had <laughs> subtitled by Jerry Lawler. What? Just, what? Yeah, wouldn't shut up. Shut up. So when you're doing production huh? in this type, what? maybe you shouldn't have the loudest person be the one person who's not on screen. Uh, shut up, McMahon. <laughs> Even better, why is the... This was post-production commentary. Yeah. So they went in there and purposely had him loudly... Run the entire promo. Turn the mic off. Because they knew how boring the promo was. Because it was a boring oh, promo. F- oh, first of all, let's let's not sugarcoat things. Vince is clearly <laughs> stirring the dirt in this in- in- interview, <laughs> trying his damnedest to break up this friendship that's lasted for two years. This see, Vince was actually a heel long before '99. Um, so that was a thing. But it was not a bad thing. Well, they set up a match. You do get the uh, uh, next week. We set up a match between the one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon for respect, I guess. But not for any titles. Wait, wait. No one had any titles. That's um, how this works, Jeff. You yeah. You well, uh, you know, actually, you going forward, that might be a thing. You can't create your own title, Jeff. <laughs> Because going forward, you would have, you know, a week of house shows and stuff like that in between. Where, I was going to say, you we're going to challenge them to the one, two, three <laughs> championship. The bad guys' necklaces? Well, Who knows? Yeah. Anything but titles. Um, one, two, three, the kid does. He's, he needs that respect. He does. Damn it. So, next match. <laughs> the Smoking Guns versus Rad Radford and the Brooklyn Brawler. In 1995, the Brooklyn Brawler... Is still on TV. Job or not? 
still on TV. So smoking guns versus the jobbers, yeah. basically. Yeah. Big, I'm calling them jobbers. I know who the Brooklyn Brawler is, but I couldn't understand the first five times they said uh, Rad Bradford's name. Rad Radford, man. Radford? See, Bradford. I have it down as Bradford, and I thought it was Brad Bradford the whole time because I couldn't understand the damn commentary. Should have just called him Louis Spicoli. Yeah. I mean, everybody knew. You know, but hey, Rad Radford. All right, grunge. And least grunge-looking guy ever. Grunge to work. play a grunge guy. Yeah. You have the grunge hair working guys versus the mullets of the smoking guns. And isn't it amazing how much smaller Billy Gunn looks in 1995? <laughs> but I want to point out something. Even back then, you could tell how good of an athlete he was. Good athlete, but I will forever maintain should have never been more than just a tag team dude. He, no. At least he didn't have any mic time this, this week. That is always a good thing. And this is a squash, a complete squash. It's You're going to get that here maybe... Uh, in a little bit as well. Um, so this was a thing. By the way, I think during this match, well, at least we mentioned the ladder match three more times. <laughs> of um, course. <laughs> um, by the way, you still haven't mentioned the uh, champion. So, I don't know who the champion is at this time right now. <laughs> I there's no mention of him. No, no, no. There is. Uh, the new the WWF magazine. He was on the cover that, that's and true. He did, they did the promo for him selling that, that he was on the cover. <laughs> but they were talking about the ladder match from SummerSlam. <laughs> of course. So, um, after this match, which, by the way, the Smoky Guns won, if you didn't realize that already. Like three minutes? Yeah. Um, yeah. You have a ten-minute, like, eight-minute match between uh, Bulldog and Razor, then you go three minutes with the Smoking Guns and Brad Bradford. Not the shortest match of the night. But next, um, next was a promo, though. And, Corey, I'm going to go ahead and let you take this one because, you know, you it's know, your thing. I was going to do the complete Goldust ripoff, but I'm not going to do it justice, so I'm not going to do it. It's Goldust. And he's premiering in the World Wrestling Federation and scaring the bejesus out of everybody <laughs> watching. See, this promo uh, was against The Undertaker, right? Yes. 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 Um, and it's... A little bit hard to understand at times, um, because I think they actually shot this live outside. Yeah, and, and, and didn't use proper miking. And the character whispers. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, I love the old gimmick Goldust had of actually using movie quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, that's what the character was supposed to be. Love it. Uh, the same thing he quoted uh, Night of the Living Dead on the yes, yes, he did. Um, the look, you know, and I'll be full disclosure. Full disclosure. Longtime wrestling fan. When Goldust debuted in 1995, it wasn't until like the third promo or something that I fucking figured out that was Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> and I mean, I paid attention. I was like, because it was such a weird character. And I was like, man, this is weird and kind of out there. It gets weirder. weirder. But I never, I mean, it was until like the third one. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm a Dustin Rhodes fan. Grew up that way. I'd been watching him wrestle for five years. And it was like, oh shit, that's Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> Alright, so that's what he's doing now. Good for him. I liked it though. And you could tell, like, Goldust is a... He's the first indication that the WWF was going to make some changes. Mm -hmm. The beginning. Yeah, he he was the first thing. I mean, like, and it would take a while. 
But just the fact that a character like this, and as we go further along, you'll see and hear about the stuff he does. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that he's around and pushing that envelope. Good luck, Razor. Yeah. (laughs) He's the beginning of the, oh, I would say character figures of the EF at the time. It's like he's got a different attitude from the rest of them. Now if we give, you know, something that will give off an era of uh, change. We'll see. we'll see what happens. But next up, we have actually the shortest match of the night, uh, <laughs> in which uh, Isaac Yankum DDS takes on Scott Taylor. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you my entire notes for this match. Kane versus Scotty Tuhati. My notes That's go. It. My notes go. Hey, it's Kane. <laughs> That's in, about it. In in, uh, in sweatpants. Oh, yeah. I, mine were actually. Kane looking pretty good. That too. He, Kane was ripped he, he was in '95. Our Isaac Yankum is ripped in '95. And honestly, that's the only thing to talk about because this was a just another glorified squash that was fast and over. Yep. And then there was, a, there was a DDT, which he calls the DDS. Yeah, and it, 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 it's dumb. Um. So that happened. So I don't know yes. if you have any or so. I just want. Next was an In Your House 3 update. Thank oh, you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I almost forgot about this. God, something. I miss these like pay-per-view <laughs> updates they would do inside the show. Yes. Where some corny huckster, in this case, Todd Pettengill, the corniest of all hucksters, tells you about the pay-per-view coming up. And by the way, here's the difference. This is still two weeks away. We know the entire card for In Your House 3. Yes. We just watched the go-home Nitro for Fall Brawl. And we know of Flair versus Arn, the War Games, and Pillman versus Johnny B. Bad. But That's you don't it. know that. That, that wasn't but set the up thing till is, uh, you Saturday night, was yeah. it? Was it? I thought yeah. they mentioned it early no. on in Nitro. No, the they. Sting. I feel like they did, but they went like whoever wins it faces Sting. I yeah, but they didn't say yeah. when yeah. or where. Oh, but also, okay. but you have the fall brawl match. But you don't know who's in the match. Like mm-hmm. if you just if yeah, you didn't know if you didn't you no. Oh, they don't even say that. No, if like for, say coming for me, if I just watched the only two nitros, all I know is it's uh, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. That's all I know. They don't mention Dungeon of Doom versus Hogan. They don't mention any of that. Because actually, the entire lead up to Fall Brawl is. The team, Hogan's team versus the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Get used to this. This is nothing. With WCW, this will be a commonplace thing. In fact, like four years down the line, even there was a, even a TV Guide ad where it's like, Fall Brawl 99. Who knows what the matches are, but it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we know what the card is for... In your house. In your house. But the, I, uh, I, which is the triple header, header match. Triple header. I just love the fact he was, like, rushing it. And it's like, I'm running out of time, but let me finish the card. And it's like... Yeah, Sid's already walking down yeah. the we gotta mention, was it Damian Demento versus Savio Vega? No, Savio Vega and Waylon Mercy. That's Waylon Mercy, thank you. And then, like, it's Bret Hart versus, like, Jean-Luc Picard or Pierre. <laughs> Jean-Pierre Lafitte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is how bad unless, it got. Unless the hitman's gonna show up <laughs> on the next generation and... Which actually probably would have got massive ratings back then. Um, that being said, so we're setting up for the triple header match, which is going to be Owen and Yoko versus Shawn Michaels and 
Big Daddy Diesel. Cool. Which, which is the first time I think we mentioned... The second time we mentioned Diesel, and it's only been for about five seconds. And all three titles are on the line in this match. Tag Team Intercontinental and WF Championship. And whoever gets the pinfall gets that person's respective belt. So if Sean or Diesel pin Yoko or Owen, they're the tag champs. If either Yoko or Owen pin I uh, pin Diesel, they're the world heavyweight champion. If they pin Sean, they are the intercontinental champion. Exactly. Vice versa, yeah. And that's the main event. And that's <laughs> fun. Because now we're going to talk about that intercontinental ti- uh, title, which is uh, on the line here. as we in, have, a, in a match that was supposed to be on SummerSlam, good sir. Thank goodness it wasn't, because we got possibly one of the best Intercontinental matches of all time uh, instead. But we have Shawn Michaels defending the championship against Sid. By the way, Ted DiBiase's there. They don't mention you, him. You don't show him. I was, we were discussing this before the podcast, and I was like, I'm watching, here comes Sid, and they're doing the, uh, the now classic, let's do the camera behind the big guy so it looks like he's a lot bigger than he is. But he doesn't pull Luger and look at the camera and make sure they're alive. Because um, he knows they're taped. Yeah, so they're walking out. and uh, Although Sid would do the, remember the promo? I'm yeah. sorry, man, we're live, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. But anyway. No Sid promo actually is probably my most disappointing moment of the entire thing. But they're walking out, and I'm noticing there's an extra set of uh, pair of feet in front of Sid. So I'm thinking, who's that? Or... Oh, it might be the camera guy. All right, we're fine. It's the camera guy. And then uh, Sean gets a little promo in the back. Like, you know... Uh, oh, wait. We've, we've got to lead up to this. <laughs> because before that, I think it is. I think before the Sean promo, before Sean starts heading out, we have to <laughs> kick it over ringside. Oh, yeah. Because we don't have the internet at this point. No internet. Um, so you have to call... To get this sweet merchandise of the Shawn Michaels hat and matching sunglasses. Barry Dodinsky, the sugar daddy of WWFshop.com, before.com. <laughs> all of, uh, by the way, get all the years for $25 plus $3.95 shipping and handling. You too can look like a gay Chippendales <laughs> dancer. For 28 something. It's that's not bad. It's 100% pleather. But that's not bad for like twenty eight bucks because it's four dollars shipping. Yeah, that ain't bad. Right? Back then, now it's like five, ten, ten dollars shipping. I think one of my favorite parts is though they're mentioning this is the exact hat that Shawn Michaels wears out to the ring. Here comes Shawn Michaels after doing his little backstage promo, not wearing the hat. Oh, but see, in this instance, it made sense because he goes over to Dudinsky, steals that the hat, hat, and puts, puts that on. on. I, my, Good original, marketing. my original thought though was like. That is amazing. You have marketed a hat and he's not wearing it that second. And the and like and then back to Sid's entrance, the extra feet, you find out that's Ted DiBiase. At some point. At some point. Who at this point's just I mean He's just a manager. Yeah. The the million dollar team is gone. The corporation, whatever the hell you call it. Corporation. Yeah, the million dollar corporation. Though it kinda makes a comeback later on, but nah. we'll get to that point. Here's the thing. Great wrestler, great promo, but as a manager, just surprisingly Meh. blah. Blah, very blah. Uh, whatever. Well, one of the Bland. problems is, in just this episode, if you're looking at managers, you have one of the greatest managers of all time in Jim Cornette. King of controversy, Jim Cornette. You know I'll say. Um, I don't care what all you fuckers say, I still love Cornette. <laughs> <laughs> he may hate your Lucha Underground, buddy. 
But that being said, um, yeah, just he's there. It doesn't matter. Did you know I am the weirdest dichotomy of all hardcore wrestling fans? I like the Young Bucks and Jim Cornette. <laughs> Get out of here. You know, we're not, we're not, we're I'm there with you. Too far in time, man. It's too far we're still in time. We, we have to go back to the Wayback Machine here. Yeah. Um, and do we, actually, do we really want to talk about this match? No. It was wrestled like it was in quicksand. It, it, it was typical Shawn Michaels carrying Psycho Sid. It, it was so... I hate to say the word because, I mean, obviously professional wrestling, and we all know what this is, cartoonish yeah, at no. times. It reminded me at times of a match that would happen way further down the road unto which Shawn Michaels would oversell like crap for Hulk Hogan. Um, it almost kind of reminded me of that at well, times. Here's the thing. Sid looks like the biggest fucking star in the history of the business when you look at him. The guy's huge. He's got charisma. That look on his face just draws you in. He looks like a million dollars. He wrestles like absolute shit. I mean, there's cartoon- no random us around. Cartoonish is a wonderful way to describe how this guy wrestles. Mm-hmm. It just looks terrible. Which is yeah. why nobody could ever believe him being a top guy. Uh, even when they tried to push it uh, a couple years previous, um, I believe it was 93 was the whole thing with him and Hogan. Two. Two, thank you. 92, because it was after the Rumble. Well, I mean, you don't have to be a great worker to be a money-making superstar. I mean, Hogan... And Hogan's a good worker. Mm -hmm. He's a good worker. Not a great worker, but a good worker. Biggest star ever. Steve Austin. Now, let me preface this. Before neck injury. Hell of a worker. Amazing. Post-injury. Punch kick, punch kick stunner. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, maybe press, you'll press. get the uh, yeah. maybe, maybe you'll get the Texas Club relief. Yeah, here and there. Maybe. Um, but that being said, this match is meh. 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 And by the way, uh, it, was, it was not a super kick that won the match. It was like three. Well, what was this to the gun? <laughs> what was the like, gun? Uh, what was to knock him backwards a little bit? And then he gets the full extension super kick. I will say... Just like I was saying about Nitro, about the announcing on Nitro, it's the same with this Raw. It was kind of, I almost wanted to mute it, just because King, uh, King was, let's go Uber heel at the time, and this would not stop talking. And Vince, you know, was Uber. What a maneuver! Uber face, yeah. It was, he yeah. got him, oh no he didn't. Uh, and there's a three out two and a half! <laughs> so, match ends. Uh, Shawn Michaels proceeds to um, start stripping, um, literally getting down to the point where he almost get then the lights come up and he's like, "Oh, it's wait, like dance okay, over. you will not find." And I know uh, our hardcore internet wrestling community guys will hate me forever. You, that's a hell of a shot. You will not find a, a bigger Shawn Michaels fan than me. But sweet lord, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Going back and and watching this twenty years later, wow! So freaking like you forget. I, I forgot how you looked back then. I mean, mm-hmm. the Chippendales thing and the stripping, and it's just like, damn. You, no, I mean, I don't hate it. It's yeah. just it, how, how what he not, is now to what we yeah, is then. And, and it's just like you don't you remember it, but you don't. When you go back and watch it, like. How do I like this guy this much? Yeah. So it was very grating and like annoying. It was like, how do you Because what he did in a match when given yeah. the right when given the right Opponent, situation, yeah. not this, 
Take it back two weeks to SummerSlam and watch that match. Still believe he's one of the best in-ring competitors ever. Kind of hard to argue that. Uh, uh, but that being said, match ends. We go to the back. Wait, sorry. We cut. And we head to the back for an interview. With good old Doc Hendricks. Wait, we're ending with a promo? Yeah. We're, no, we're not ending with a promo because it gets better. But we go to the promo into which um, Shawn Michaels does 80% of the promo. And, oh, wait, Diesel's here. Diesel's the champ? Yes. <laughs> Bret, he I has thought, two lines. Is Bret Hart, I thought Bret Hart was the champ. Nope. Oh, okay. Was, I, I, he said some limerick that was... They're going to be, they're two dudes with attitudes, but soon they're going to be two chaps with all the straps. That's what it was, and it's... That's what you get from your champion. And then they cut uh, to previews for next week's Monday Night Raw. Okay, here's where I, okay, here's where I wanted to talk. This is where it grinds your gears. Oh, this this grinds believe. my gears, okay? I understand why they might have done it in retaliation for... Bischoff giving away the results, get ahead of it. Just be like, yeah, here's the action you're going to see next week. Here's a little snippet. I, I can get it from that aspect, but I hate it. It's it's bad. It's just bad because they give away a lot of things, including the fact that you know, they're giving away actual action from inside of matches. The Razor one two three. And the, the Razor one, it almost looked like the were the finish. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's the problem I have. You want to show a thirty <coughs> second snippet from the beginning of the match where nothing's important? Have at it. But no, that grinded my gears, and I didn't. But do you? I would. I just want to say this. Do you prefer that, or do you prefer a Sabu promo when he botches half of the move set? To be perfectly honest, I prefer the video package from Sabu. Yeah. Because I mean, at least it's showing off, you know, just some things that you're never going to see on TV. Plus, you know, it's Sabu. You know what he does. And he botches yeah. stuff. That's part of his... Whoa, no. No, no, no. At that time, you didn't know who he was because well, he was a young up-and-comer. Well, I knew who he was. <laughs> yeah. He knew who he was. Because, yeah, you give away that and you give away your main event for next week, which was... Uh, Men on a Mission versus Yoko and Owen. Wasn't it? Yes, that's yes. exactly what it was because uh, you have King Mabel at the time, so you're trying to get the Mabel push. Yokozuna and Owen Hart were a tag team for. They had nothing for them. Reason. Hold on, hold on. I just remembered the, the package that's shown, the commercial for it, voiced by Todd Pettengill. Oh, how, yeah. How times have changed in the wrestling business because this is what he says, and I quote Why is this match happening? Because Commissioner Gorilla Monsoon just said it'd be kind of neat. <laughs> I remember that. It was like, did you just use the word neat? Not neat. just neat. Kind of neat. neat. So, You're too much. <laughs> Will you stop? <laughs> so there's Raw. There is, That's Raw. The, so that is the entirety of wrestling for... Uh, September 11, 1995. Uh, I almost went somewhere completely different with that. And that would have been bad. Um, so. American hater. <laughs> what is with you, man? Um, episode one. Episode one. We're out to such the a... The one the host hates America. <laughs> Come down there, Iron Sheik. <laughs> okay, so... Um, we love you, Sheiky baby. Let's do the awards for September 11th. Match of the night, September 11th, 1995. Where are you going with this? Razor Bulldog. Manera. Yep. I agree. Okay. 
The Uh-oh. reason why I don't want to pick the match is the same reason I didn't want to pick the match the previous week. You're going to pick Isaac Yankee. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, I was going to go with the Smoking Guns match, but um, I, for this, there's just part of me that really wants it to be the Sabu Alex Wright match. Pick it. Just pick it. It, just, it, it has to be that match because. At least you get a finish. Granted, it gets changed afterwards because Sabu is Sabu. This ain't Not Soviet Russia. Russia. You can make your vote. You Not know? only do you get a finish, you get two. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't get the massive amount. I don't get the run-ins. I don't get this convoluted into it. It's a little bit more my style of a match. Um, I would probably go with... The, I, I think I just enjoyed just that go with it. a You're, little bit more. Quit hesitating. Just go with it, man. So, MVP of the night for either show. All right, just, who, who was the one guy... Through both shows, that did the be- the most to help his his show. I mean, I think it obviously has to be at that point. Isaac Yankum, the latter. <laughs> <laughs> the latter did play a big part. Um, it, I think the MVP of the night at this point has to be Shawn Michaels. You yeah. are obviously pressing him to be the focus of your company. I would. I it, for me, it was it would be between Sting and Michaels, but I will go Michaels. Because he has the promo before his match. They're selling his merchandise. He has the promo after the match. And he has the match. And the match. And he's all over the opening. And yep. Yeah. All over the opening. So there's like five, six things right there of Shawn Michaels. And your champ is Bret Hart at the time. Oh, by the way, who's main Diesel. event? Diesel. Ah. And, and who's, who's the first guy you have on the main event uh, for the in your house? Shawn Michaels. You know, you guys, you son of a bitches, you're swaying. <laughs> we almost swayed you to your favorite, one of your favorite wrestlers. Yeah, I, I actually, honestly, I hadn't even considered Shawn Michaels because the match just wasn't that good. But but you're right. I mean, he is all over Monday Night Raw, and he's mentioned on Nitro. <laughs> so Shawn Michaels, he makes it. Actually, the best part is out of the two wrestlers that they mentioned, it's the only one they mentioned by name. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess MVP, Shawn Michaels. Way to go, Shawn. Way to go. Least valuable player. <laughs> of the night. Um, uh, let's see. What was, uh, Which, Brad Bradford. Uh, you know, actually, funny enough, I think the least valuable member of uh, person of the night, I'm sticking to the same show, it's Diesel. Yeah, I mean, God, he's your you, world champion. This is your... This is your network fall premiere. He's not even on it. Your first week going against the competition. He's not even in the dark match. And your world champion is an afterthought. He literally, again, he gets a limerick at the end of the, of the, end of the night. He's not even in the dark match. The guy that's on both shows is on the dark match. Holy crap, you guys have swayed me again. <laughs> I'm guessing you're going with Diesel? I'm going Diesel. I was going to go with announcing, but I'm going to go I, Diesel. I'm going to have to go Diesel. The only other person I can even put close actually would be a group. And this is actually over the top two weeks. The Dungeon of Doom. I was going to pick the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. Considering they're main eventing and you wouldn't fucking know it. But you're right. The world champion is a total non-factor when they're getting attacked Mm business-wise. That shows a complete lack of faith in him. Do you have a... Diesel's my LVP. What's your... uh, We've got to go what the fuck now. What the fuck? What the fuck? What is the... For both or just one? No, for September 11th? Just one. Just just one one? for the entire night over both shows... What do you have as your what-the-fuck moment? Well, I'm going to go two, and we just kind of discussed it. You have... I'll do Nitro first. What is your main event for the pay-per-view in two weeks? <laughs> no, no, six days. No, six days, six I'm days. sorry. Because I sure as hell don't know. 
All I know is Vader, Sting, Macho, and Hogan versus kids. Although it's not that Vader. It's not Vader. Okay. It's out of the match. Okay. Sting, Flair, Hogan, now Luger. Flair? Flair. Oh, I, see, I already know the match. <laughs> and then for my Raw is you have your heavyweight champion not even on it. He's only in the promo at the last scene of the show. I have to go with, honestly, the entire post-production work by the WWE. It was, pre- it was pretty bad. It's, F. It's put the F in it. Put the F in it. <laughs> it literally deserves an F. Uh, the, the, a god-awful green screen effect at the beginning. The horrible overdub commentary. I mean... Legitimately, the only good part of the co- of the post production work is the in your house uh, pay per view part. Todd Pettengill. Todd Pettengill. Todd Pettengill. All um, wonderful choices all the way around, but you guys have missed the gigantic elephant in the room. The what the fuck moment of September eleventh, nineteen ninety five, was the goddamn Ric Flair promo. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, for a second there, I thought you were going to go shark, but... No, it's it's Ric Flair, like... Are you too much? To, You're too much. To do nothing but put over Lex Luger. It served no purpose, because it didn't make any sense. Just have Luger come out and have the announcer rave over him. You bring out a, a, a 12-time world champion under the premise of another promo, mm. and then just have him... Gush over Lex Luger, <laughs> who saunters out for no damn reason, and then just leaves as soon as he shows up. Look I thought he was like gonna come out like mock uh, flare, like clothesline or something like that. That is the what the fuck moment That's for me so for September eleventh, nineteen ninety five. So as we put a bow on the uh, night of the eleventh, ratings wise, where do we end up here? Two point five for Raw and two point four for Nitro. So, do we agree with that? The nation watched Raw. Uh, beat, it beat out Nitro. Barely. Barely. It's very close, right off the bat. And neither, no, neither number is great. For the time it was. For the time it was. The time it was wonderful. Considering what this, where this number is going to yeah. go here in the future. Do we agree with the nation? Should Raw have triumphed? Personally, I think Nitro was the better Nitro show. Nitro was the better show. Nitro was the better say. show, but I understand why it won. It's the incumbent. It's, it's been the there incumbent. It, it's you're familiar. Still, yeah. New guy. And you really haven't done that much on Nitro to really win me over. Um, maybe because I don't know what the pay-per-view <laughs> is coming up. Uh, I don't know what the fuck more you want. They've debuted like eight different people in two weeks. I don't know. Maybe tell me what the pay-per-view is going to be all about. <laughs> Good point. Um, Good point. But, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, obviously, we watched both. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, I, I would have. I definitely enjoyed Nitro more. Is there a t- uh, is there a is there a taken away point for either one of you? For me, those shows. It's how much fresher, cutting edge, and cooler looking Nitro looks. I'm talking graphics, the way everything's li- as opposed to Raw. <coughs> Raw looked canned, which it was, mm-hmm. but um, the graphics, even though new, aren't. I mean, I just think Nitro looks so much fresher, so much more, has more vitality. You could tell that the WWF product was stale. You could tell that they didn't think they had to give it their best. Yeah. Because they didn't believe, probably at the time, that they had anything to worry about. Nitro came off pretty much as well as I think it could have. 
Um, of course, you know, there's certain things here and there that they'll fix over time. Um, the commentary could be better, but honestly, it wasn't any better on the other side. Yeah, yeah, no. It's a uh, wash. Pretty much a wash. Uh, my take would be, you know, what you guys just said, since I'm always the last guy. No. Uh, <laughs> that I think... We you saved know, the I, best for last I, year. Exactly. Uh, you know, at that time, WWF probably was like, eh, who, who cares about this show? We'll just keep doing what we're doing. We'll just stay on that. We'll stay on the, the you know, train work. tracks. We're going to stay on that. This, give this a year. It won't work. Give this six months. It'll probably yeah. be done. Makes sense. Well, folks, with that said, we are going to put this podcast to bed. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to the Dashing One, Joseph Lessel, the Human Wrestling Database, Corey Mack. I have been your host, Jeff Mack. We'll see you next time when we talk about September 18th. It should be interesting to see how these shows yeah, uh, progress. It should be. And, it, and it'll be a rough couple first couple podcasts. We'll get the kinks out and... We'll be rolling good. And, of course, if you have any uh, comments, anything you want to add, make sure you uh, give us an email, nosellpodcast at gmail.com, nosellpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Good night. And, God, this is going to be a long haul. Good night. That's how you win. (laughs) Well, I couldn't end it on a promo. (laughs) The entire thing's been a promo. Good night, folks.